This is a Step Up and Play production. Hello, I'm Liam Barry and this is I Used to Play a Bit. This week is the second part of the Dara Tuffy interview. Uh, we talk more about Dara's early days at Blackburn and his current role in coaching. Well, let's get straight back into part two. So obviously you played a lot of Gaelic football. You'd got, and obviously you, you've been playing it for a long time. That Was there a point where you had to, to choose between the, between the two, between Gaelic and, and soccer? Yeah, well, like Gaelic football, I, I played that literally up until a few days before I flew to England to, to, to sign, you know, to move it, move to Blackburn. But, um, like Gaelic, Gaelic football to me was probably the, the sport that I really loved. Um, but obviously, when when you're getting offers from like Premier League clubs, which Blackburn were at the time, and yeah, you end up going down that route, don't you? Because it's how do you turn that down? And look, I absolutely loved football and and completely. But Gaelic was probably maybe. I was more of a natural, I would say, the Gaelic football. I was, yeah, I, th- I think I, if I'd have stayed home, I possibly could have excelled um, more so than I did in, in, in soccer, really. But, um, yeah. And what, if you had done that and you had kind of, and you got to the, the top in Gaelic football, what, where where does that kind of take you, like career-wise and living-wise, with that kind of... With that well, there's only so far you can go because in, in Gaelic football you can only play for your county and that's the highest level you can represent. Um, just so happens that the county I'm from are pretty pretty poor to be honest and uh, there's no such thing as transferring to better counties so ah, right. yeah I probably would have had um, if I'd have ended up playing county level men's level I would have had lots of years of disappointment and um mediocrity <laughs> even if you'd moved even if you'd moved to a better area but you're not allowed can't... to move. you just have to play for the county that you're from unless unless you get like yeah oh wow <laughs> that's that's strict very tribal very tribal gaelic football god I, I, I had no idea i knew that when i was when i was a kid um there was a little bit of talk of there's uh there's a, a pub in swindon that you might know of called the tap and barrel uh no i don't think no, i don't know that one and and it's it was kind of like um yeah it was, it was an irish pub and they had a team and they used there was they started playing like kids games and that and one of my mates went along and, and um he was trying to get all of us to come along so there was there was a bit of talk of us going along and playing for a bit but then realized that should i don't know who they were playing because they were like the only. That was that was where most Irish people in Swindon were drinking. Yeah. So I don't think they were playing anybody else in the town. <laughs> <laughs> just I think it was just them going to like going to like Swindon Rugby Club and just and just playing by themselves. I don't think there was anyone else to play. Kev so used to come Gaelic. Kev used to come Gaelic training with us when he'd be home, like being Ireland for the summer and stuff. <laughs> ah right. What was he like? He had a bit of natural ability, but he was awkward. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great description. It was awkward. <laughs> Big, long, awkward thing. 
I suppose he'd struggle with that though because he can't do his his famous double drag back or step over. <laughs> it's not getting him anywhere. <laughs> so um, I've, I've I was doing a little bit of reading and there's a few few different um articles about about you, and um, one of them is is talking about it mentions you playing in the Kennedy Cup and everything, um, and then it goes on to say about um when you when you sign sign for Blackburn and one of the thing one of the things I wanted to come kind of ask about was so it was Ennis Chrome was your club yeah yeah and they all so and it was what is in the paper it was saying but they organized you a farewell do yeah it's interested to know kind of what what kind of do was this was it just like was it just like a, a few like you know you and your family and a couple of people from the club or was it like a that's it it seemed like it was like a big like a community thing yeah it was a quite a big do really so but like i suppose what you need to realize is that the little town i came from in the west of ireland like nobody had ever moved to england to play football it was like unheard of and even in the whole county you know there wasn't many people who went across the water to to play football at a professional football club um so yeah it was it was locally it was big news at the time um so yeah there was like a full do in like a hotel function room and there was probably a couple of hundred people there if i, if I can remember correctly and yeah, there was things That's on brilliant. the wall and you know selling things presented to me and yeah it was it was a pretty sort of big deal and they'd gotten like a couple of uh like there was a, a county gaelic player at the time and the, like someone who played for Slugger Rovers that they got as well to come and present me with stuff oh yeah so yeah interesting so what was um what was your brother's thoughts on that then um i don't know i mean my, my brother you back down <laughs> well that's what i mean my, my brothers were always and that's i think that's the irish mentality don't get carried away with yourself and they were always very much yeah just punch me in the arm or whatever and just yeah <laughs> bring me to the farm and make me shovel shit for the day like so as soon as the do's over right before you pack your bags <laughs> it was yeah there was never any like it was never seen as getting carried away with yourself and i think that's probably always been drilled into me is that is that something that you kind of try and drill into into the lads that you're coaching and that as well is that look yeah you're here now but you know anything can happen yeah, like, and I think so, and, and that's that's one of the sort of key things from from the club as an organisation is you know being humble is 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 a, a big thing we want, but I suppose the last thing you want as well with young footballers is you want them to be humble and, and, and respectful, but you know you want them to also be confident and, and not be afraid to 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 show people what they can do and stuff like that. So yeah, I, th- I think there was maybe times when I was maybe too humble and lacked a bit of belief and confidence in myself but um certainly when i was that age but when i yeah when i look at the lads yeah you want them to be humble people and not get carried away but yeah show that arrogance and a bit of swagger when they when they're playing football i think that's that's the thing is it's like i say it's really it's a really tricky um thing to balance because especially with footballers everyone's ready aren't they to wait for them to do something that makes them look arrogant or something that they shouldn't be doing so they can jump on and be like oh yeah footballers doing this footballers mm-hmm. doing that but 
you kind of like you say you don't want them to completely lose that from their personality because then if that if that's the fundamental part of their game then it's then it's, it then becomes detrimental yeah 100 percent. and oftentimes like i remember playing with my roommate was uh, i don't know if you keith tracy was my roommate in at the time at blackburn he was like he was a lad from dublin he was like the the big deal really he went on to play he, i don't think he plays now keith but you know he he moved, went to left Blackburn. He played a few first team games. Went to Preston in the Championship. Then he got a, I think, I think Burnley played five hundred grand from Eddie Howe at Burnley. Oh wow! Uh, and he did did okay there. And but I always I always used to look at him and thought like I wish I had his confidence. His his, his confidence and his ability was just unbelievable. Um, and he. And that's you know he, that's probably why he, he could fit in with in a first team environment from such a young age because he had that just be- pure belief in his ability and didn't really care what anyone thought and I always admired that about him. When when you were it's kind of linked to that as well. So when you were kind of first at Blackburn, obviously you've signed up and everything. But what what did you feel like like kind of day to day when you were kind of training and playing did you feel under pressure to perform all the time or were you kind of comfortable enough to just play the game and know that you know what if I haven't done great in training today it's not the end of the world like I'm not gonna pack my bags and send me back to Ireland and that but I you know it'll all be it'll be kind of all right yeah again again, I think probably because of where I came from and the the environments I came from where there were you know I wasn't privy to lots and lots of professional coaching really from in, in my younger ages and so I, I probably found that quite tough where yeah I, I'd be nervous before even training and stuff like that and I probably had a, a maybe an insecurity about me where I felt you know am I really good enough to be here and he plays for Germany national team and he's this that the other and and, and when I look back I, I probably think like I struggled I probably needed a little bit a bit more help and guidance maybe than some others where I didn't have that self-belief purely because, yeah, I possibly felt a little bit inferior to some of the lads. Um, yeah. And it, it yeah. And that, that, that possibly held me back when I was fit. I, I think I overcame that. Uh, and then obviously I had the next, the other injury in the knee and then, and then that, yeah. the rest was history from there really. But. And you, you said about like, um, just kind of mentioned the lad playing for like Germany and stuff. So, in your kind of age group at that point, was there a lot of foreign lads in the team? Was it still like predominantly? Yeah, British? We'd, we'd, we'd a lot of a lot of boys. Like the go- goalie was a German international. The other goalie was Hungarian, German centre half, two a German midfielder, quite a lot of Germans, uh, Nigerian centre forward, Junior Hoylet, the winger, plays for Cal. Yeah, a few English lads, quite but three or four Irish lads. So yeah, the lads from all over the world, really. Um, and what was what was that kind of like then? And, and when I'm like in the change rooms and stuff, and like everybody mixing. Did you find did like people split into little groups of like you know if you've got a few German lads, if they did they all kind yeah. of stick together or was it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The yeah the Irish clique. Who, who like to drink every now and again? And they shouldn't have done, when we shouldn't have been. Uh, <laughs> stick to the stereotypes. Um, and then yeah, yeah, the foreign boys and 
I suppose we, we used to well, I mean, we still use that at Blackburn now, but it's like a communal lodge building where um, all the players live. But obviously the local boys would go home at the weekend and the foreign lads would stay. So yeah. then you'd end up with sort of the locals being a bit closer and, and the foreign boys would sort of, because we spent the weekends together, we'd become closer. And yeah, you always, you got your little clicks. But I suppose it's no different to any change room at any level. You get your little clicks and certain people get on better with others, don't they? Well, yeah. So, and, and I suppose at the end of the day, you're pulling in players from, like you say, from all over and you're judging it on their footballing ability in most cases, not, I suppose, once you get to actual first teams and that, they start thinking about, well, okay, well, is this personality going to fit in the dressing room? But yeah. at that point, you're just trying to get in the best lads you can to to eventually kind of make it into the first team. So I suppose that yeah, that thing of like, oh, all these lads are going to get on doesn't really come into it, does it? Yeah, well, exactly. Because, yeah, because the, the team isn't at the forefront of it. It's it's about the individuals, really. Just seems like a a strange kind of thing to say when it's, it's that team sport, but you're... You are just focusing on those individuals to eventually make a team. Well, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. When you're coaching, you're, you're coaching the team quite a lot, and and the team needs to be a vehicle to to make the individuals look like good players. Because if the team's rubbish, it's pretty hard to look a good player on a bad team, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they go hand in hand, but I suppose what I'm saying, yeah, from the bigger picture point of view, from a coach or a academy manager or ultimately you know you're judged on the quality of your individuals and and if you you know there is times and you might have a really quite strong functional team but you're looking at it thinking not many of these are actually going to go and get near our first team or go and go and make the club some money here um so yes yeah, so, yeah a good team isn't always filled with brilliant players likewise you can have a bad team and have a couple of really good players you you've got real high hopes for it's yeah, it's a difficult one, but you, I think suppose when you work in academies, you just need to have always keep your eye on the bigger picture and really understand why you're actually there. And if the team's performances aren't going as great, try and remember why you actually do the job. That must be quite tough as well, because like you know, you're a competitor, and knowing that you know you're 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 working hard to improve the players and everything. And like you said, yeah, yeah, the results aren't that's not the be all and end all and you are there to develop those players but that must be tough at times to kind of you know have to rein yourself back in and remind yourself hang on a minute because you just naturally being a competitor yeah yeah and, and don't get me wrong every coach at every level you want to win every single game 100 percent. but like, i suppose like i said before you're not you're not you're not driving home absolutely devastated if, if you lose a football match which you're under 16s or whatever because again you you've got to draw yourself back in well what individuals did well how did the team perform how did we you know how did we play to the academy's principles of play and, and sometimes you might be driving home thinking you know we've actually played brilliantly today and we've lost the game but that that's fine no problem move on um i said no one's going to lose their job over it obviously yeah. it's different at first team level it's the performance it's about to results the, isn't it yeah Obviously, you've been coaching a while now and you've been at Blackburn kind of that whole time. But your your own personal coaching philosophy, is that does that differ from kind of like the Blackburn way or are you very much kind of 
in in but like tying I suppose intrinsically kind of tied to that because of coming through and yeah like I'm probably I probably am tied because yeah I've worked there my whole I've gone from playing there as a young boy to yeah to coaching there for 12 years um and I suppose my philosophy has probably evolved with the academy's playing philosophy and um you know when I first started coaching you know I, I was working with the younger age players so you know that, that's very much isn't it about just letting them play giving them freedom yeah. Trying to get players who can dominate 1v1 situations, defend 1v1 situations. And again, you're looking at trying to develop technical individual players. Um, I suppose the playing style of the of the, the academy that time was, you know, the, if you were to ask people what was their perception, and the perception would have been that, you know, you go to Blackburn and you're playing against a, a well-organised, big physical team who work hard and, 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 and try hard. But, you know, that's... Certainly, over the years that I've been coaching, there that's evolved massively with with the times, and you know, to now where we, you know, we're, we're massively built around playing out from the back and and letting players express themselves and trying to develop technical footballers and you know, letting players take risks and, and giving them freedom to play. That's massively important. Um, like like I say, that more so than than winning football matches. Um, so as you say. Yeah, my philosophy has, has has probably evolved alongside the academy's playing philosophy. Yeah. And what's your kind of your long term goal? I mean, obviously, like like you said, you've been coaching for for quite a while now, having good success at, at youth level. But do you have kind of any aspirations to maybe like one day move into um into management, managing a first team? It's it's a difficult one because yeah I get asked this question on all the on, you know on my different coaching courses and stuff and it's a hard one because have you got young kids Liam? I have but my daughter is well she's she's just turned eleven right. and she's only interested in TikTok. <laughs> yeah, you're through the woods a little bit. Yeah, but I, I suppose the reason I say that is like the thought of the the thought of being in an environment where you could be sacked after six games doesn't massively appeal to me right now when I've got a young family to provide for. Um, yeah, I get but, that. But there's always a burning desire at the back of you that you, yeah, if them opportunities ever came your way, it would be difficult to ever turn them down, wouldn't it? But I suppose for now, it's just about trying to develop myself as much as possible as a coach. And I absolutely love the role I do in terms of trying to develop young lads for our first team. And my sole focus at the minute is just trying be the best version of, you know, be the best version of that I can be at my role, you know, at developing young players. Um, I've done it for quite a long time now, you know, for my age. So, like I say, if opportunities came your way, it's like in any career, isn't it? It's, you have to make that decision, do I take the leap? Yeah. I suppose, but by the time between now and when I'm an old bloke, I think, yeah, there, there'll be a time when I need to scratch that itch and maybe going to put myself into that environment whatever that level would be I think yeah before I retire I'd like to experience it at least I mean it seems you see I know especially like in Germany it seems kind of quite seems to happen quite a lot and they've done it a bit in Spain where it's kind of it's, it's that under when you get to that the under 21s that seems to be the there's there's a bit of an eye on under 21s coaches and that like I said I think they did it a couple of times at Dortmund over the last kind of like five or six years and that where they've gone Okay, we're going to promote the the um 
a Gunner 21s manager into that into that and that's role. Wagner over, didn't they? He got the Huddersfield job, and yeah. yeah, yeah, and obviously now he's at Schalke, isn't he? So like, I suppose it's, I guess it's one of these things we quite often you hear about just like players who finish and then they go straight into management roles and that. But I suppose there's still a lot of opportunities for those guys who have like yourself who have been coaching at the various different levels for a long time and just you know happen to be still do, doing the under 21s thing but then that opportunity comes up and like you said you know got to scratch that itch I suppose yeah exactly it's I, I just find it such a hard thing to answer because it's it's like no other industry football really where you know I look at a lot of my friends who have jobs and I don't know might be accountants and there seems to be quite a linear development for their careers and you know they get the next role and you know they seem to progress quite smoothly and quickly but yeah it's not always football's a very tricky uh, it's a tricky industry because yeah a lot of the time and whether we like it or not this is the truth you know people tend to give people you know give jobs to people who they trust and people who they yeah, can can rely on and already know. So yeah, the yeah. old it's a mates game can can often be true. I th- I think I think it's becoming less now, but yeah, it's still very much where people will will employ people that they know uh, as much as they can. And just with regards to kind of like um the lads, obviously you you've coached and that, and how how many. If, if your your players have they have actually made it through into the into the first team and kind of established themselves. Um, I suppose if you look at our first team now, probably the main one who I've worked with since he's a baby, um, a young lad, John Buckley. He's yeah, be twenty now, John. Um, he was he was an under nine when I started coaching. Wow. Uh, so I worked yeah, I worked with him all the way through tens tens, elevens, twelves, fourteens, and and then sporadically after that, but yeah, so he's now sort of he's a regular squad player. You know, he's not playing every week, but he's still developing really. So, um, then there's other lads in there like Ryan Niambi, who's played around 100 games. Again, I, ha- I haven't had lots and lots to do with Ryan, but bits and pieces on our day release programs and and stuff like that. And then there's other boys who are you know, in and around, knocking on the door, who you're hoping can um, can make the leap sometime soon there's a young centre-back Hayden Carter who's been in around the squad so hopefully he can get a get a debut under his belt and, and start progressing with his career soon but yeah look there's I suppose I've been there a long time now and I started with the young ages and yeah I've seen a lot of these young men now when they were little babies you know nine ten year old so it's a it's it is pretty rewarding to see them yeah when they're in our under 23s and they're knocking on the door of the first team and going out on loan and stuff like that so yeah that that that's like i said before when you're a development coach that's probably what gives you your your satisfaction i suppose in your job the most because like i keep saying that's ultimately what you you're judged on so yeah that's i suppose um with with like i suppose you know obviously we've got kids that come from all different kind of like home backgrounds and stuff as well and I suppose like your role can, for some of those kids if they you know maybe coming from maybe at home life and stuff's a bit kind of chaotic and that actually coming to the club having you having having that having a coach who's looking out for them 
helping them get better at the thing they love doing that kind of takes them away from even want to be home stuff might be you know might not come from a great area where there's all sorts going on and stuff that kind of puts kind of gives you that kind of not like father figure but that kind of that, that stable figure to kind of help guide them through yeah. that so it's more than just football I think is what I'm trying to say yeah I agree and like that's one of our big things in the academy is we're trying to make good young men first and foremost and try and make them better people I mean you know I I think it's because as coaches, maybe they perceive us that we have quite a lot of power and stuff like because of it's not nice, but you know, the levels of respect that are expected around a football club are, are certainly far greater than if you would walk down the corridor in a, in a, in a school. Yeah. Uh, so I think them being in that environment, I think they have to get mature quite quickly um, because it can find you out quite quickly. It's quite an unforgiving environment. So I, I, I believe that, you know, that, that lads can really come on as, as young men in that environment massively. And, and sometimes like myself, when the playing route doesn't work out, I think you can definitely get skills and traits from, from being in that football environment that help you in other industries um, and, and maybe even separate you from maybe your peers that you went to school with, not necessarily on paper for, qualifications but i think yeah certainly you get huge life skills from being in it and then on kind of like the other side of that is there any have you kind of seen a lot of play have you not a lot but you've seen players who absolutely had the talent really could have been something but just didn't have the attitude and then ultimately kind of went by the wayside and kind of fell out yeah too many to be honest and and they're the ones that frustrate us the most aren't they because again they they have they have all the tools they just they can't seem to find a way of of applying themselves in the correct way to to go and fulfill their potential and that that's always the biggest shame but but like I suppose with anything that's it's it's down to them at the end of the day it's probably the biggest one is probably my the one I mentioned earlier Keith Tracy my old roommate Keith had a good career don't get me wrong he played till he played and probably and probably earned decent money out of the game, but you know he retired quite young and and really for his ability and what he was able to do, he should have been a, in my opinion, a, a regular for the Republic of Ireland national team, and you know he certainly should have been in around Premier League teams, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, possibly, and he said he, I listened to an interview he did recently. He said he possibly got a bit, a little bit too much too soon in his career. Um, yeah. But he's probably the one that always comes to my mind when I think, yeah, he he did well, but he could have been a superstar. And what what kind of do you guys do outside? Because I know that obviously you've got your your set your, your training days and that way, and doing all your um obviously stuff for, or just the development as players. But when it comes to those those outside bits, so like you said about the lads having agents already their kind of sessions and things for the players to kind of I don't know give them kind of like a a bit of a heads up on okay well this is what to expect and these kind of you know how to how to handle certain situations or certain aspects of actually being a professional footballer because it's not just what's happening on the pitch and what you're doing in training absolutely and that's probably been one of the areas of 
certainly academy football that's grown the most over the last five, four or five years, I would say, where you know we have got a you know we've got a player care, a full time player care officer in the academy. So his job is, you know, to to sort stuff like that out. So they, they do a lot of training around social media training, which is obviously hugely important now. Uh, yeah. How much do we see? How many times do we see young footballers? You know, making bad mistakes on social media. Do quite a lot of training on that. Lots of work around the mental health side of things. Um, they get lots of work on, but they do a lot of their education stuff uh, when they come in full time. But you know, there's there's a full life skills program that we have in place, which which we run from the under nines all the way through. Um, just yeah, trying to prep them exactly for for what what you're going to do if if this doesn't work out. So that's brilliant here because if, if you look back there's so many like players that you know from from kind of like past days and that you'd think man if only they had all of that as they were coming through and I'm, I'm obviously I'm talking about people like you know like Gazza and and maybe like Tony Adams, Paul Merson, those sorts of people, Ray Parler and that when they're you know out doing their like Tuesday the Tuesday club and all of that sort of thing having all of those having that kind of education as well as the football in education you'd and I know obviously the games changed massively since their day but having for anyone having that it's got to be got to be got this it, I suppose I'm trying to say it's kind of it's a massive it's a massive um thing to be able to give those lads so like I said no people who didn't have it before got caught out with all sorts over the years haven't they like yeah I said about social media and everything and and that and that then taints kind of like the public's view of them, which can then make it more difficult for them when they're playing. Because, you know, you've got 20,000 people in a stadium and, you know, you've had some sort of transgression or something that's been out on the in the news and been on social media and that. And, you know, they're all going to be like giving them pelters. And if they're only like 19, 20, they're still kids. And yeah. being able to go and do your job. I mean, I don't think I could do... My, I, I have an office job, but I couldn't do that if someone was just having a go at me, shouting at me about yeah. something I'd done at the weekend or something. I, I mean, I sat in on a really interesting workshop. Um, Bryn Law did it. Um, he used to work, he used to be a presenter on Sky Sports. He did a workshop on on social media with, for yeah. the kids, and he was he was showing examples of of players who, you know, basically these media outlets, these players get a little bit of fame and and. You know, and then they're, they're they're rifling through your social media from when you were a 13, 14 year old kid, and they might find a tweet and and then they screenshot it and they think, right, when he has his day in the sun, I can use that and that's worth a few quid to me. And and you know, the, it's it's horrible. And you know, the, the kids have got to be so careful. Basically, anything they anything they put out on social media, they got to be prepared that that could be used. You know, if if they go on and be successful and do well, that that can be used against them. And We've seen so many instances in the past, haven't we, where it's a kid makes his debut and the next yeah. day there's a a picture of a tweet that he put out. So it's yeah, yeah, it's huge, it's huge, and it look it's a scary world we're living in. In my opinion, it scares the life out of me. I'm hopeless on social media, but I actually feel sorry for some of these kids uh, having to put up with all that rubbish. I think as well because like you get just in general, everyone gets held to. Their opinions, and, their opinions and stuff. So if I give an opinion today, and then you know, six, seven months down the line, talking about the same subject again, and I give a different opinion in that time, if I've um, 
read up on something or I found out more information and that's caused me to to change my opinion um people seem to will still jump back yeah but you said this before yeah yeah yeah, but you know opinions are subject to change yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. but but especially if you're and if you're an up-and-coming footballer and that and you say something else at one point that's yeah like you said it's, it's good that they've got this they're getting this education because it can help them hopefully stop making putting those things out early doors and just give them just i suppose just give them an easy life isn't it so they can just focus on playing and enjoying, yeah enjoying the football i suppose i suppose to sort of summarize your other question before like the the support networks now in in all academies in the country is is incredible really you know we've got we've got full-time psychologists nutritionists you know there isn't really anything that that these lads could possibly need that we don't have at their fingertips so that's amazing yeah, yeah. And, and again that's come on a lot over the last probably five six years massively so yeah they've no excuses put it that way <laughs> if they fail they've no excuses it's just down to down to the them and their application i suppose really isn't yeah it? exactly yeah and that's that's i think that's the same with with anything so i like i, I work on projects and quite often talk about setting up for success and that's from what you're saying that's exactly what you're doing you're giving them everything that they need so they don't have to worry about all the other stuff they can just focus on developing as players and as people and yeah getting to ultimately where they want to be massively 100 percent. i suppose the only uh the only downside to that potentially is that they get they get spoon-fed everything they need too easily and and it becomes the norm and then yeah and you're possibly losing a lot of them traits that drove the your gaza and your yeah. your players of that generation to be the best but yeah it swings around to us isn't it yeah that's why that's that's the thing isn't it you can't you can't cater for absolutely everything you have to you yeah. can do kind of what you think's best for the the, the main the, the majority exactly yeah exactly cool all right mate i mean i could probably just ask you more stuff for the rest of the night but i'm conscious that you know, you want to have your evening, your wife's back and everything. You want to go spend some time with her. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll let you go, mate. But thanks so much for this. Really appreciate it. No, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Nice to have a chat about footy. And that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Daryl. It was, it was great to hear how passionate he is about developing young players and, and also turning them into good young people as well. Um, now, I've not got another interview lined up just yet. Uh, but I have had a couple of chats with friends about why they love the game, sort of favourite boots, goals, when they played, that sort of thing. Uh, so I may put out a, a little compilation uh, episode of that. Uh, now, in the meantime, I really want to hear from you. Uh, you know, So what's your favourite football memory? Uh, did you play youth football with someone that went on to be a pro? What's the funniest thing you've witnessed at a football match? Now, you can tweet them to us at I used to play a bit on Twitter or email i used to play a bit at gmail.com so thanks again to dara like i said great interview and thank you for listening